Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiacos FC and Greek football. The first day of training is when I realized, oh, this is why they win the league every year. When I, I spoke with Kevin, if I'm going to sign or no for Olympiacos, it's a, a crazy good deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome, welcome everyone. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever the hell you're watching us from. I'm Costas Llanos, also known Costas with a K. And today is a historic episode because I am hosting, I am hosting Gate 7 International for the first time ever. Big, big ups, big day, and, a, and a, definitely a career highlight. I am joined by Socrates Papastathopoulos' cute cousin, Ari Kouloupasis. <laughs> How are you, Ari? What's up, man? I am, I am not actually related to Socrates before people start DMing. It's rumors. Not related. Rumor, rumor it's suggest. a joke from from AFTV. That's it. Rumors suggest. Rumors suggest. And of course, big news, guys. Our very own Martial Debo, a fantastic journalist from Nouvelle Republique. The, uh, the, the our guy from Olympiacos Efer has officially joined Gate Seven International. Martial, so great to have you, buddy. How do you feel to be part of the family officially? It's a huge honor for me to be part of the family because, yeah, the the project has been growing so fast. So it's a huge honor for me to to be accepted in. Well, it's an honor for us, buddy, to have you. Yes, it was glad to have you, man. It was so much fun going to the game. <laughs> I'm so yeah. glad we got to meet. I got to meet both of you guys in Greece. It was fantastic. Can't wait to do it again because uh, there will definitely be more times. Hopefully, I can make it up there again next year or maybe even sooner, that would be fantastic. And we can do it all over again. Hopefully one day we can all go to a game uh, together, a big game, doesn't matter if it's a big game or a small game. Hopefully we can all make it. Uh, guys, uh, the channel keeps growing. Uh, we keep growing on social media. So please like and subscribe if you haven't done already. Share the word uh, to grow this amazing channel. Uh, it's been a hell of a ride so far getting to know all of you from every corner on the, on the world. And we're going to keep growing. Uh, just a bit of housekeeping to go. That's an Ari Bulubasi trademark. Uh, don't forget to visit betus.com.pa. Gate7INTL is the promo code. You get a 125% deposit boost. And we can help you with some of our statistics, our data, and analytics that we do, hoping to make the best bet that's going to make you some money. So, people... Uh, it's a it's a big game coming up, but uh, obviously we've had some news, some breaking news coming in, some important uh, developments. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Philip Zinkernagel has left Olympiacos just a few weeks after joining from Nottingham Forest on loan to Standard Liège. Uh, quite out of the blue, this one. Um, uh, Philip Zinkernagel was signed by Pedro Martins. Never really played his natural position, which is something Ari is going to help us a lot with. Uh, but it didn't really cut, he didn't really cut it for Carlos Corberan and his immense uh, roster. Didn't make the European list for, because of the immense roster and the fact that there's many, many non-homegrown uh, players. Uh, guys, what do you make of that? 
Marcel, you can go first, buddy. I think it's better for, for all parts to see Zinkernagel leave because uh, it's so disappointing for a player to be cut out of the European League when you come to Olympiakos. I think it's to play it's to play in Europe. Uh, obviously, it's so nice to win a, a title in a career, but if we're honest, players like uh, Zinka Nagel, they they come for for the Europe. So you have nothing nothing to expect from uh, from Zinka Nagel uh, since he's not in the list. So let's 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 cut the thing and loan him uh, uh, in Standard de Liège, which is a quite kind of great club. So maybe he can do well there. Uh, and come back stronger for Olympiacos, or maybe move uh, in another club. So, I really no have I don't have really an opinion on that because it's it was quite obvious that he would leave, and we were able to saw him like after the game uh, against Ionicos. Uh, it was obvious he needed to leave because there is no point to keep a player like that in the roster if he can't play in Europe. What do you yeah. make of it, Ari? So, I mean, I, I have some, I do have some mixed feelings about this because um, you have to feel for the guy. He came in under Pedro Martins and then, of course, Pedro Martins leaves and here he is. He's promised he's going to be part of a project that's going to be built. New coach comes in and then he's not in the plans. We did see there were a lot of, um, there were, there were a lot of fans that were not fans of Zinkernagel that didn't like how he played. Uh, I was not one of them. I thought that uh, he, 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 there were things that he did that indicated that he could grow with this team. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a little at odds because when I see a couple of players that are on this, on the European list, AKA AK 47 and uh, man of glass, Gary Rodriguez, I, I wonder if maybe we actually had some space for him, but you know what? We can't have our cake and eat it too. Right. Because when we ousted Pedro Martins and we brought Corbett on in, everybody wanted we, – we all said it, whatever needs to be done, the squad has to be cut. Something has to be done for the to get our squad ready for Europe. Changes need to be made. Well, you know what? This is what we asked for, and this is what we got. So in the end, football is a results-driven business. So if in the end we, we do well in Europe, no one's going to remember that Zinker Nagel got – ousted he's collateral damage at that point and it's going to seem like the right move we're only going to say negative things about it if Gorbedon really messes this whole thing up and uh that's the only time we'll talk about it well first of all tf91 uh thank you for joining us uh at this uh, even though you have uh, you have to get up in six hours we really appreciate you being with us pal i mean when it comes to zinker nagel uh, he joined us uh, uh when it comes to zinker nagel uh, he just joined us. It was a difficult period. Uh, it was Pedro Martin's last few weeks at Olympiacos. Uh, he never really got to play his own position. Uh, you got a new manager who did everything on the fly. Didn't work out for him. From then on, I think, well, you know, it's, uh, it's a case that the manager had to, uh, had to cut a few players. And it seems like he didn't really have a lot of uh, options, especially after he brought Pep Biel on. Uh, and he decided to keep on Costas Fortunis. I guess there weren't a lot of... Uh, a lot of opportunities. Costa, Costa, I don't Colia. mean to cut you off, but we just yeah. got uh, a really big donation here from Costas Colias. Uh, I was the about to says, say, Gate, yes. Gate 7 International plus Marcelo equals Arostia. Costa, thank you so much. Uh, guys, that is, this is incredible. 
Uh, and guys, it doesn't matter what the donation is. This, w- this is huge for us. I, I said it on a previous show. Um, the fact that anybody wants to donate money to us because you guys believe in us and believe in this initiative, there's no words for me. Uh, Costa, you're more poetic than I am. Maybe you have words for it. I can't express what this means. And all I can tell you guys is, uh, and we say this with each donation, there, there, is, there are things that this is going to. And we've already told you, the first thing is, uh, you guys know that we pay for the data software that we use for scouting and analytics. Like the, I don't just get the data for deep dives and match results and the stuff you see on socials. It doesn't just materialize. It's, we have to pay to get those. Uh, all of the services we use, including this, StreamYard, uh, everything that we use to bring this to you for YouTube, everything, the website, that, that all has a cost. We took on that cost. This helps us pay for that. But most importantly, this is going to other things, scoreboard things for the live casts. In addition to um, T-shirts, we're working on T-shirts, working on other things of merchandise, also more things so that we can continue to offer you guys the best content. So those are the things that we're going for right now. We're, we're trying to get T-shirts. We're trying to get better equipment so that when we do these live casts, when we're in Greece, we can actually do offer you better services, score cams, live scoreboards, things like that. Uh, there's also other things that we need the money for so that we can get maybe copyrights for certain things so we can make better videos. All of this goes to that. So guys, thank you so much. Gosta, thank you, buddy. And we will let you guys know when the t-shirts are coming. And then don't forget, we have a giveaway coming up. So keep an eye out for that. Absolutely, guys. I mean, you are the heartbeat of this podcast. And this is an incredible donation. Thank you so much, Costa. Uh, now, back to the, uh, as, uh, now back to the transfer uh, rumors at Olympiacos and the departure rumors that we have. Apparently, we're hearing that uh, Stan, uh, Agibu Kamara could follow uh, Philip Zinkernagel out of Olympiacos with Standard also asking for Agibu, who also didn't make the European list. We've also heard about Ahmed Hassan, who is... Uh, who has been uh, targeted by Konyaspor, who won him back after scoring 11 goals in 33 matches last season while on loan. And we also have heard about uh, Sivaspor keeping tabs on Lazar Radzelovic. What do we make of that, boys? Uh, you're, uh... We don't hear you anymore, no? We can't hear you, Ari. Your mic oh, is a bit off. Rookie mistake. There's one more... Turkish club unnamed that apparently has made a loan offer as well. We don't know who that club is yet. Just that the, there is another one that was interested in a loan. I just saw he also uh, Alanya Sport made an offer for Andrusos for Alan. I saw that on the uh, on Greek press too. Well, that would be that would, that would be quite a development uh, for Olympiacos right there. But I mean, obviously the the roster is huge, guys. It is yeah. way big. There needs to be. Players need. There need to. We need to have a departures. We need to have exits right now. Uh, it seems like it's going to be loan moves. Uh, it's a shame that Olympiacos didn't manage to. They didn't manage to make a big sale, didn't they? Madika Mara went to Roma on loan. Papa Busi said never left, which was you know something I did expect to happen and probably for good money. And this is a huge roster. I mean, we got a manager who's dealing with a lot of players in training. Yeah, you you you're, you're right because it's. Mainly one of our biggest problem in the in the past two three years, I, I guess, because probably Martin's best season was uh, when the squad was okay, like 25, 26 players at max, and it's easier for a coach to work like uh, 
when you don't have to rotate that much, when you have a, a clear bench, players know, knowing that they will play probably back-to-back -back games and it's better for the confidence. And that's why I'm expecting so many loans. Okay, it's loans, it's not sales, but it's better than nothing. And you talk about Rangelovic. I, I, I guess I would keep him because he's a... He's a He's very frustrating player, but he's kind of a winger, a pure winger. He sticks on the line. He tries to to go fast. He tries to to create something. But okay, his ending product is quite bad. But if I have to choose between him and, for example, Vrusai or I don't know, even De La Fuente, sometimes we have to make a choice. We have to at least one one or two wingers have to have to leave. Uh, Andruzos also Kutris player like that because at the training I think it's the daily life of the club it's difficult for Cordera to work uh, in trainings with 20, 35 36 players uh, and not, I'm not even speaking about Fortunis all the B team players that could play for the team in the Super League games for example so if we reduce the squad it will help so much Cordera to, to work just work basic work like what do the numbers say, Ari? For which? For which? <laughs> for which well, person? we got Hassan. We got, I mean, Hassan, Agibu, Radzelovic. Are those the kind of players that we can do without? So the I'm going to tell you right now, uh, and I said this sort of when Corbanon first came in. I didn't see. I didn't know how Agibu would fit in that system. So there's no surprise to me that Agibu went on loan. No surprise at all. Uh, he's going on loan. Um, same with Hassan. Hassan, I I was always surprised that he was even in the team to begin with. Yeah. Um, Hassan is uh, in a little bit of an enigma. Um, all, he, all he's good for is scoring a goal, and that's about it. Then then you have um, – who am I missing? Oh, my God. I'm blanking now. Agibu, Hassan. Agibu, And then – and then we can't forget Kutris also. Verveles uh, uh, apparently brought up that Kutris also could be on his way out. So that's another player, uh, which is really unfortunate because I thought Kutris had a had a place on this team at the very least in Greece. But if you're not going to be on the European list, you know maybe you want out. Maybe you want to see something else. So also, a lot a lot of these players can, doesn't uh, surprise me. Also, I, I recall that uh, Nikos Kotsis said that Lehner was really close to have his passport, so maybe it made sense for Kotsis to leave because probably Lehner is, is, was, will be the guy that will probably play until yeah. Marcelo is ready. I mean, Oleg has to, to rest from time to time, so if Lehner gets the, his passport, then for Kotsis it makes no sense to, to stay at the club. Four left-backs at Olympiacos right now. It's insane. Uh, George Trilos, thank you so much for the donation. As we said, we are very, uh, we're very appreciative for any kind of support we can get on this channel. George, George Trilos, thank you so much. But it's not all, uh, it's not all about departures because Olympiacos had a major acquisition uh, recently. In case anyone has been living under the rock, uh, the legendary Marcelo, Real Madrid legend Marcelo, has joined Olympiacos. Uh, and uh, and uh, Marcial, you were there with the Gate 7 international superstar, Labro Sirmo. How did you find it? It, it was totally insane because at first we, we weren't keen on go there because we were like, okay, it's going to be like 
1K, 2K fans at the stadium because I, I wasn't expecting so many people at the stadium. But once we, we got there, it was like so many people coming. Uh, it was more people, more people, more people. And at the, at the beginning, only two gates were open. So when we arrived at the, at the press section, uh, it was quite impossible to, to climb in the in the stands and it was insane uh, and the i think the club did well because they let the people in like one hour before and uh, it 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 allows the people to like make the the public go uh, more mad and more, more eat more eated and until uh, carambo stepped on the on the on the pitch and it was the beginning of the apotheosis because i i've never seen that before for a player that comes into a club, it, it might be a failure, okay, but the the joy that we could feel on the stadium that night, it's something that has no price for me because this is why we support Olympiacos. Uh, and we kind of forgot all the bad things that happened in the past in the past weeks. I mean Martins, I mean Aifa. In in this hour that Marcelo came at Karaiskakis, it was like nothing have happened before, like pure madness. Pure, yeah, just pure mindness. I mean, you were quite high on the, you were quite high on the stands. Uh, I, 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 I'm not sure how well you could see Marcelo down there, but how did he look to you? Because on camera, he looked so happy. He looked surprised at the uh, reception. I don't think he accept, expected something that big. The flares, the noise, the music, the chanting. I mean, the Greek fans are very, very special. They can be very, very supportive if you're the. They can make you a king if you join their team. They can make they can make you want to run away for mommy if you're playing against them. One of the most intimidating crowds in the world are Greek crowds. It was insane. How did you? How did he? How did he look uh, to you? How did he? How did he seem down there? Well, as you said at the at the beginning, uh, with all those flares, I wasn't able to see anything. Like just it was just just smoke and red lights. But when it went down. Uh, yeah, you could see he was so happy because, as you said, I think he wasn't expecting that from uh, Olympiacos fans. We all know that Olympiacos fans can be mad, but like that, like 20,000 people uh, in, the, in the stadium, I think even Marcelo wasn't expecting that. So, yeah, he was very happy. He was with his family. He was like kicking the balls and stuff like that. So, yeah, for sure, it... It gave him the 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 will to give his, his his best for the club. I think it was already the case before, but when you are when you are welcome like that, you need to uh, you you just need to, uh, to to give your best. You have no choice, otherwise the you will leave Greece with the same uh, in the same way, but but not with joy, unfortunately. And Ari, I have to ask you, man. I mean, this is a man. This is a a football legend that's joining Olympiacos. Many have already called him the best left back of all time, which I completely disagree because there's only one Roberto Carlos. Uh, but seriously, one of the greatest defenders in the history of the game have joined Olympiacos at the age of 34, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, Ari, you're our numbers expert here. You're a stat expert here. What do you make of this uh, of this move? Is this going to pay off on the pitch? I think, in a manner of speaking, yes, it will. Uh, simp ju just simply because of the caliber of player. Look, he's older. He's 30. He's 34 years old. 
Mm-hmm. I get it. And so that's why a lot of people say, look, he's a washed footballer. He only played, he played about 1,100 minutes last season. The season before he played, I think about uh, 1,500 minutes for Real Madrid. So like in the last couple of years, his his playing time has gone down slowly but surely. And you know what? Yeah, it's Real Madrid. It's one of the best teams. It's one of the best clubs in the world, if not the best club in the world. If not the best, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, obviously, if you're not in your prime physical condition, 33, 34 years old, you know, you're not going to play for them, but that doesn't mean he's not a great player. And numbers wise, if we look at how he how he played, right, the defensive attributes. OK, maybe they're not so good. Uh, they've never the defensive attributes of him have never been amazing. Let's put it that way. But what you love about Marcelo is the offensive part of him. It's it's incredible. His his ball distribution ability, his build up. Everything he does, even last year, if we look at if we look at him compared to fullbacks in the top five leagues, his his data is he's in the top percentile for everything. Volume of of progressive carries, progressive passes, he's in the 99th percentile. He's like the best person. 90, and this is a, a compared to all fullbacks in the top five leagues. So when it comes to getting the ball forward, he gets the ball forward at such a high volume. Uh, he leads when it comes to actually beating people on the dribble. Uh, 1v1 dribbles one. He leads. Uh, one of the highest uh, pass completions. Uh, num- volume of passes attempted. You know how many touches this guy gets on average a game when he's in the in the game? He's averaging almost 80 passes a game. Not touches, 80 passes. Almost 100 touches a game. It's absurd. It's absurd touch volume. As a fullback, he's, he's a, he is a leader in the world when it comes to fullbacks actually getting shots and assists. He's one of the top. And this is all based on per 90-minute data. So, sure, did he only play a minute? Did he only play 1,000, 1,100 minutes for Real Madrid? Sure, did he only play for 1,400 minutes uh, the previous season? Yeah, but when he is in and he is in there and he's playing, he is a good player. So do I think he, he's a type of player that will win us the, the Europa League? No, maybe not. But to say yeah. he's not going to have impact on this team, guys. When did Rivaldo come here? Yeah, early, uh, early to mid thirties. When did Valbuena get here? Mid thirties. You know what I mean? Like this isn't. We've had players, older players, come here and make impact on this team. So anybody that tells me this player isn't going to do a lot for us, it's just wrong. And the data says that too. Look at the Leitner picture he posted on Instagram. Like the first day Marcelo came at Renti, he was like posting with his idol. So. I saw a comment that I totally agree with. Is like um, we will benefit from Marcelo in many ways, even if he doesn't play well. And I totally agree with that because he can uh, give so many advices to players uh, like Leitner, like even Oleg, uh, even everyone in the team, I guess, because he has won like Champions League. So he probably knows how to handle high pressure games, knockouts. Uh, away games in Europe and stuff like that. Well, These I couldn't guys, agree more with you. The, so the Nolan Lindner Fox here. How does he compare to the likes of Oleg? There's no. I'm not doing a deep dive. I don't have to. I'm not doing a deep dive on Marcelo. The number of people that are asking me. Let's see. I have one camp that says, "Don't you dare compare him to Oleg in a deep dive," and then I have another camp that says, "We must see the stats and compare to Oleg." I'm not doing that. It's not. It's, 
No, but I agree a lot with uh, with both of you actually. Uh, and Martial, I mean, this is a player that Ole Grebchuk has been needing. I've been I've been saying that a lot uh, this past season that Ole Grebchuk has absolutely no competition on the left, and that doesn't allow him to really push himself. I was saying I was constantly saying he needs competition. I never expected a name like Marcelo coming in. That is huge competition for him. Mm-hmm. That is. That rings sirens in his head saying, you know, if I don't deliver this season, if I don't pick it up, I'm not even going to be watching the game from the stands. It reminds me a lot of Brownie Deje. When Brownie Deje joined Olympiacos in the 2014-2015 season, is that right? Am I right on this one? I think I am. Uh, No, 2015-2016. I'm wrong. 2015-2016 season. It was him and Alfred Finbogason on loan from Real Sociedad. Finbogason left, so went back to Sociedad because he didn't play. And then Deje played no matter what at Olympiacos. He always started. And you could see that he was becoming um, uh, he was becoming stagnant. He wasn't really pushing himself. Uh, he was just happy with how things were. And you could see it. But then a guy called Oscar Cardoso joined. One goal in every two games for Trabzonspor and Benfica. Uh, I mean, this guy had all the makings of being the next Kostas Mitroglou or Darko Kovacevic, like delivering the same way Kovacevic and Mitroglou did. And that's when Brownie Dege took, uh, took off. That's when he finally got that fire under his ass. So I'm really hoping that, you know what, even if something like this happens, if Marcelo doesn't play much, but Oleg elevates himself, Oleg transforms himself into a top left back at Olympiacos, that was well worth it because that's exactly what Oleg needed. But, I mean, we got a little spoiler alert for everyone, guys. Marcelo is not going to play against Nantes. Uh, so, when is he going to play, though? That is one of the biggest questions. Uh, he's going to start training real soon. And based on my information, he is not going to play before the, the, uh, the international break. Therefore, the best chance of Marcelo playing for Olympiacos is on October 1 against Atromitos at the Giorgios Karaiskaki Stadium after the international break. How much are we looking forward to this, guys? Well, so so much because it's the kind of game if you're playing against Atromitos at home, you could like uh, start with an assist maybe or start with a. I think like if you just play like 20 minutes against a team like Atromitos, we we will probably see like crazy things from him, even at 60 percent. Because there, there's no way you will fail in Greek league. Europe is another thing, but in, in Greek league, there is no way you're gonna you're gonna fail. I, I, it's impossible coming straight from Madrid, even if you didn't play that much in Madrid. There is no way he fail. Probably maybe in defense he, he will get. He, he could be like kind of weak, but in attack, I, I don't see it happening. How much time does he need, Adi? That's so. That's a really good question, and uh, uh, I'm actually going to link that because this. I thought this was a really good question from this comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at my eyes, DC. I just want to see Marcelo and Verselico play together. Will this ever happen? Will they stay injury free? So there were, uh, there was uh, one, there was one article I read uh, that said that Marcelo won't be available until after the break in September. Yes, um, the international, and I, I'm, I can't remember. Which one that was? I I want to say it was Gazetta, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, and again, we don't. So we we're never a hundred percent sure, especially with this club. 
um, what kind of physical shape a lot of players are coming in. Rosalikos, when he came in, was supposedly coming here to get playing time to make the World Cup. Then he retired from the national team. And I don't know if you saw some of those pictures in some of those Instagram stories today. He was not wearing cleats at training. He was wearing flats. So I don't think he was training. I mean, that's that's how I look at that. I had said in the scouting report for Vesalico, if if he if he can be healthy and actually step on the field, this will be the best right back we've had since Torosidis. But this was a big if. And it's the same with Marcelo. We don't know the kind of shape he's in. And we don't he hasn't played in a few months. So he might need to work up. And you know, it's building building endurance when the season started. For those of you that haven't played competitively or at a top level, it's hard. When usually over the summer, when you're doing training over the summer, you're doing usually two practices a day. And it's a lot of running, a lot of endurance training, because that's when you do it. You have all your time to focus. You're not usually focused on playing full 90 minutes games. Don't understand why Pedro Martin scheduled so many friendlies in addition to endurance training over the summer. That's beyond me. Maybe that's why so many players are getting hurt. Sidetrack. Sorry, guys. But that when you get into the to the to the uh, the season, it's less about the fitness training because you don't want to hurt people. You're doing more tactics and fundamentals, but you are still building your fitness, your endurance when you're actually playing. So getting match fit, there are things you can do to build your endurance, but generally during the course of the season, you are not trying to kill your players in practice. You're not making them run constantly. You're doing more things revolved around the game, playing the ball. So if he's coming in and he's not match fit, don't be surprised if September comes after the break and we still might not see him. But I think... I'd be surprised if he came in and he's not fit at all. He didn't come in like Versalico where we're looking at his injury history like, oh, this guy can't get out of bed. You know, it's – I think I, – he sh- I imagine it would be fine. I mean, preseason is so important for every players and every team as well and managers. Think about there's so many key players at Olympiacos who didn't have a preseason. Juan Guimbom, Juan Guijo, uh, Marcelo, Pepiel, who hit the ground running with one assist and one goal. And on his debut, this is very critical, guys. So, I mean, in, in general, it's the name of the game this season is patience. Uh, and uh, Irakor, thank you so much for the donation. Uh, why did Kamara uh, Abubakar make the list instead of Conrad or Lazar? Well, I mean, when it comes to Lazar Adzelovic, I assume that it's because of his uh, recent performances. They haven't been quite up and uh, quite up to par. When it comes to Conrad, I'm not sure either because I think he put together some impressive performances. But I think it has to do with the um, with the um, uh, with the, uh, the homegrown players ro- rota. Yeah. They're, they're the homegrown players uh, rota. Yep. When it comes to Bubakar Kamara, I mean, he can offer so many solutions on the wings, but also as a striker. So I think that's why he made the list. Uh, that's why he was preferred over those two because there are so many wingers now. All of a sudden, at Olympiacos. Yeah. That's true. Also, because he was a, a signing that if you cut him out of the list, it's very difficult to, to justify because you basically give this player to gave this player to Martins because he asked for him. You paid money for him, so if you put it out of the list, it's like saying the the whole summer you did um, is was a, was a mistake. 
I don't think I don't think it was whole a mistake, but if you cut Ababakar Kamara after his injury, is like basically you're basically losing another player mentally. I mean, we had a very interesting conversation in Greece, uh, Marcial, uh, about Conrad. Uh, well, basically, here's a player that uh, who's a graduate from La Masi- from Barcelona's famous La Masia Academy. Never. If I'm not mistaken, he never scored a goal and produced an assist for Marseille. He had a really good debut, but then it just kind of went, well, not uphill. Yeah, you're right. I think the main issue with Conrad is is like, I don't think he's really a professional player. I mean, like his career from now on is like basically just hopes, uh, some kind of dribbles from time to time. But he didn't make a full season uh, in a, in the first division, apart maybe in Barcelona B team, which, but it's not in first division. And I knew when he came when he come when he came from Marseille that it was a a, a, a bet. And we see we saw against uh, Ionicos that he could be the, the kind of player that that make difference uh, in the Super League, but. At the end, I'm not surprised that he wasn't in the European list because it's just on and off, on and off. And if I had to choose between him uh, and and Bowler, if I was Corberan, uh, because Corberan knows Bowler, he's so him playing in championships. So to me, the 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 choice seems logical. It's just that we didn't we didn't see we didn't have the chance to to see Bowler plays for Olympiacos yet. So. We we are asking the question, but I think the choice is quite logical for me. Well, I mean, we haven't seen Bowler play yet, but we might see him on Thursday playing against Nantes and Olympiacos' first official European game at the Europa League. A very difficult match at Nantes. Uh, we have the list of players that have made it. A huge omission is Jan Envila, who has been sidelined with pharyngitis. He did not uh, train. Uh, Sime Vrsaliko won't be on the team as he's dealing with a, with a muscular injury and we, we're not sure when he's coming back as well. Usain Nuba has been uh, is suspended because of his red card uh, against Apollo na Lemesu. Uh, so who are we going to have? Uh, who, who do we have on the roster? Obviously, Marcelo is not there. So here's who's going to be uh, on the list, on the squad list against Nantes. We've got Vatslik, Zolakis, Papadoudis as a, in the goalkeepers uh, for the goalkeepers. Retso, Socrates, Avila, Manolas, Reabchuk, Sisse as the, uh, for the defenders. Midfielders: Buhalakis, Kunde, Andruzos, Vrusai, Masuras, Bowler, Biel, Valbuena, Juanginbom, Entoy, and Rodriguez. And as forwards, there's El Arabi, there's Juan Guijo, and Abubakar. Camara. How are we feeling about this, boys? Well, don't forget, um, they they mentioned today that Inbam Huang has a slight knock, uh, something mm-hmm. with his foot, but uh, he's going to train, I th- or he's going to try to, and if it's not hurting him too much, he'll probably play. Um, so uh, there's that, and I think there was one more... If I if I think of it, I thought there was one more thing that we were missing, but uh, yeah, so we might not have Mbam Huang. We don't have Yan Mbila. So it will be very suspended. interesting. Yes, by sideline. Yes, indeed. Uh, I mean, uh, Martial, you know the you know Nantes better than all of us here. What can you tell us about this club? What can Olympiacos expect 
uh, in uh, less than 24 hours? Well, uh, first of all, I, I would say that it's a club that was out of Europe since a very, very long time. Uh, I made a podcast with uh, French media and the guy that was that run the podcast said to me that between the last, the last European game uh, of Olympiac of Nantes and the, 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 the game that will come tomorrow, Olympiacos has played 194 European games. Oh, wow. So Jesus. it means uh, that we have the, the experience, we have way more experience, like in every position. Alban Lafont, which is a top goalkeeper, will make his first European game tomorrow. Uh, so, we, yeah, th this experience is uh, way more developed at Olympiacos. Not also is not a club that qualified through championship. They won the cup. And it makes a difference for me because uh, it means that they weren't in the position to qualify with the league. So they weren't a top flight French club. Uh, they do have quality. They have like very good players like uh, Lafont, the goalkeeper, Merlin, the left back, Moses Simon, uh, Ludovic Blas, for example. But they also lost uh, Colomani, which was a top, top striker. And he went, he went on a free, so it's difficult to uh, replace someone uh, when the, the main striker is not sold. And also the big difference I see is that um, Olympiaco squad for me has more uh, homogeneism. I don't know if I, I can say that in English. Homogeny. Yeah, it's more, way more homogenic compared to Nantes because just take a look at Nantes bench this weekend in French League, uh, League One is very poor. Like, it's very young players. Or you have Fabio, for example, the former Manchester player, which is a kind of a terrible uh, fullback. <clears throat> but we have to be careful because we know that League One is a, is a tough championship. So a player that plays in League One, even if he's average for Nantes, it, it could be a threat for Olympiacos uh, and especially with the form the club has right now. So I'm, I'm not worried, but I, I'm, um, I'm cautious because not could be a surprise. Also, they would say they came back in Europe. The stadium will be quite, quite uh, full, nice fans. So we have to stay calm, stay quiet, and maybe the experience will do the work. I mean, Ari, this is a this is a this is a French team playing against Olympiacos. Uh, Ligue 1 teams can be very dangerous. Uh, Olympiacos, obviously, we we just mentioned it. It's a team that has been put together on the fly. New manager on the fly. New key players on the fly. No preseason for them. Olympiacos still finding their footing. Uh, what can we what can we expect in terms of the tactics and in terms of uh, how the how the game is going to pan out? So uh, we put a couple of graphics up early to, earlier today on our socials. Uh, for those of you that may have checked them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, we had just some basic match data, like how many goals were being scored, some XG. Uh, and then also we had uh, little tactics with the directional threat direction. Uh, so the formations that not played with to begin the season, um, up until the last couple of games, they were playing 3-4-3. Uh, and uh, then they kind of switched the last couple of games to uh, for 4141, 423, like 451. 
uh, basically, uh, or a 4-4-2 in one case uh, against PSG. They did get a red card in that game, though. But they, um, the, their data sucks. I'm just going to be honest with you there. A, I saw a comment here that a serious Olympiacos wins. And yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, you're right. And there was a comment that you pulled up by uh, Dimitris Theodoru. Our toughest enemy tomorrow is not not. It's ourselves. We need to get our winning mentality back. And this is 100% true. So to reiterate some of the data, guys, they're, 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 about, they're scoring. Their opponents are scoring more than double what not scores per 90 minutes. The opponents are getting almost double the opportunities than them per 90 minutes. And this is in France. And I'm not talking about just PSG, right? They've played uh, Marseille, Toulouse, Strasbourg. Um, uh, who else? Angers. Uh, am I saying that right? Anger, Anger. Anger, thank you. Yeah. My French accent is terrible. So please feel free to check me on that. Bad problem, bad problem. <laughs> but so I would expect them to come out more defensive. Uh, they're going to be in, in one of those formations. Uh, recent form says 4-5-1, but maybe they come back into a 3-4-3. But they're going to play defensive. They have not had a game, or sorry, they've had one game where they've actually dominated possession. Otherwise, they're not the one dominating possession. They're sitting deep. They're they're completing around three to three, usually three to three hundred pass, three hundred three hundred fifty pass attempts per game. That's nothing. That's like when we play against Greek teams. So, I would be very surprised if they're not playing a defensive structure like a four five one. Uh, maybe it'll even be five four one. Who knows? I, I expect them to play a little bit more defensive. Uh, we haven't seen uh, and this comment here from Dimitris about playing three at the back. We actually haven't really seen the Libyacos play three at the back under mm-hmm. under uh, uh, Carlos Corberan. The starting has usually been 4-4-2. The shapes have transitioned. A lot of you have DM'd me about the shapes. We have seen transition in shapes for 4-3-3, 4-4-2, and in some cases like that 5-2-3 or 3-2-5 uh, on the offensive part of the ball. I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting Corberan to continue with what he's been building. Uh, the only person I see playing with a back three really is going to be not. And they're going to be playing more defensive. This is going to be our game. Even away, this is going to be our game to lose. And I'm going to be honest with you. The last couple of years, I feel like our away form has been better than our home form. But that could just be me. Karaskaki hasn't felt like a fortress in the last year and a half or so with this Olympiacos team. So I think this is doable. I think this is a game ideally we should win. But the ideal situation has not always happened for Libyakos. And that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried we'll get in our own head. Maybe we get an early lead. We sit back and then they come and put the pressure on us. And then next thing you know, it's Slovan Bratislava and Apollon Lemoso all over again. PMSD, Costa uh, Levojani calls that. Exactly. If, if I can add something, like it reminds me a little bit about uh, of the games, uh, the game we played in Montpellier back in time, if you remember. Oh, yeah. The exception was that Montpellier were uh, French champion at that time, so they have full confidence. Uh, they have like players at their primes. Uh, they had Giroud like discovering European football. Uh, what I want to say is that this is the kind of game that we have we have to win. Uh, okay, not as good players. They have nice fans. Uh, there are league one team, but this is a game we have to win. Like just look at the squads. Even if Corberan is trying to build something, even if some players are not ready, even if Mvila is out, we have to, we. This is a game we have to win if we want to have some ambition uh, on this group. Because if you start a group with a loss, it's changed everything. It it puts so much pressure on you 
for the second game, and 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 then everything is different. And yeah, also when we won against Marseille the first game, like it basically changed the whole data for Marseille and for us. And it could be the same for Nantes tomorrow because if if Nantes starts with a loss, for example, I don't see them being able to bounce back for that from that and coming to fight for the second spot, maybe even not the first one. I mean, this is a very tricky group, guys. I mean, I said it, I've said it many times. I mean, uh, Karab- you had Karabakh, you had the Freiburg. Then you look at group four, after all, because we're on pot A, you look at the pot D. You want a team that you feel like, you know what, you can beat this team, you know, on both legs and, you know, uh, seal third place and continue in the con- at the Conference League, worst case scenario. This is not that kind of group. This is a kind of group that could go a lot of different ways. I mean, you cannot really pick number one, number two, number three, number four. And Olympiacos are no spring chicken right now. They are not really uh, delivering on the pitch. Another thing that's worrying me so far is Juan Guizhou has yet to break his duck, uh, which is not good for a striker. Uh, a striker needs to get his uh, first goal uh, out of the way as soon as possible, it, which is why it was such a shame that he missed that open goal against uh, Ionikos after that fantastic uh, Conrad effort from the wing. This is a really tough group, but this kind of Olympiacos, I feel like with a, a draw away, that'd be all right, I think, to, to kick things off considering the situation they're on and the fact that they're still finding their footing. It's true, it's true. Also, yeah, Europa League now is like three spots that allows you to play in Europe after January, right? So yep. basically, if we won this game, we win this game, it's like, it's just the first game, but even Karabakh, you said it, they were super close to go to Champions League. I think they're, they could be more dangerous for us than not because we don't really know the players. This is the team basically that has confidence. They are one legs in the summer and I think it can make the, it can make a difference. So I'm, li- I'm really curious to see how the games tomorrow will, will turn because a clear win will solve so many problems for Olympiacos and for Corberan. Ari, how do you expect uh, Carlos Corberan to field the team tomorrow? We, we, we kind of touched on, you don't expect a back three. I'm, I'm not expecting a back three, no, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I would be surprised because I, I thought we would see a back three earlier when when Corberon first joined. But since Corberon has joined, we haven't actually at least fielded in the beginning as a back three. Uh, it has always been either like a 4-4-2 um, uh, or in some cases like a 4-2-3-1 a a or a 4-1-4. It's, it's been a variation to that, but we've been using a back four primarily. The only reason we see a three shape is depending on how when the balls are coming forward and we're progressing up through the midfield, the back three forms with the, the wing backs coming up, uh, pushing up. That's really the only time we see that and Envila pivots back with the center backs. That's the only time we usually see that. So I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting a back four like usual. And mm-hmm. I'm going to... Uh, I'm also expecting something. I'm going to tie it into a couple of these questions that we saw um, or questions and comments. Uh, first one from Alexandros uh, in Europe away. I doubt we dominate the games in possession. Uh, and then there was another comment that we haven't dominated possession uh, except against Asteras. And that it's not, that's not completely true. We we've dominated possession uh, in Greece, at least. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Minus, of course, Ionikos in the second half. But every game, if you look at how the possession has played out in every game since Corbaron has arrived, we have always, in the first almost 30 minutes of the game, been the ones dominating possession. And I'm not talking about, oh, 55-45. It's 65, 70% possession. In the first 20, 30 minutes of the game, it's always Olympiacos all over the place. But then the problem is, the second we get a goal or the second that 30-minute mark hits, that's when the drop-off happens. Look what happened against Asteras. Look what happened against the Onikos. Look what happened even for periods against Pazianina. The team is not fit, or at least not the level of fitness that this that this murder ball or Bielsa ball requires. So I expect us to line up how I mentioned, and I expect that we're going to dominate possession in the beginning, but then we're not going to be able to keep it up, and then all of a sudden you're going to see not bringing pressure to us the rest of the game. That's what I'm expecting in this game. And the scariest part for me is, because of knowing Vila, I only see one other person that can play the pivot. That's Bukalakis. That scares me even yeah. more. Uh, <laughs> I don't see him as being very confident right now. He's a confidence player. So uh, the only the only caveat is, if we do run a 4-3-3, which is what I uh, I hope it'll be, it'll he'll be he'll be next to uh, Kunde, and hopefully Wang Inbom is healthy. We have two guys that will run all day next to him to cover for him. Bukhalakis' distribution skills when he's able to confidently play are actually quite good. I brought up in the past, last season, he was our leader when it came to through passes, smart passes, and and a leader in progressive passes. So the guy serves a purpose. The problem is it's... He hesitates a lot, and he sometimes his his brain farts can lead to really dangerous opportunities against us. Where does uh, Pepiel play in a four three three though? Pepiel, that's the beautiful part. Pepiel, can, you don't want to see him play. You don't want to see him play um, out wide. But Pepiel can play. You can technically put him on the wing. You can leave him as a center forward in a four four two. He's the the little guy, the little guy in the big man little man system. If you think about it. Um, Actually, against when he played against the Onikos, that's what we were playing, if you guys noticed, 4-4-2. And he was the one wandering around Wang Guizhou. So he can do all of that. And he's you guys saw him. He's class. I told you in the deep dive. He can play. This guy can play anywhere. Just put him on the field, man. 4-3-3, let him play as an inverted winger. Maybe it's not the best um, in terms of positionally speaking that he can play, but you get you get on him and he'll he'll play he can play anything man he can play in that striker position he can play as a second striker if we do line up in a 442 but i see a lot of people like talking about i like his guys he's playing tomorrow just for men do what you have to do mentally prepare yourself buhai like he's just playing there's nobody else that can play the pivot nobody he's going to play just prepare yourself do what you do yoga breathing exercises, whatever you have to do to calm down. He's playing tomorrow. Mark my words. Well, I mean, I look at the Olympiacos' transfers this season, and yeah, Marcelo is a big addition, but in my opinion, nothing gets bigger than Pepiel. Uh, this, is a, this is a player that uh, contributed a, uh, in, in one out of two goals for Copenhagen uh, last season. He's 25, which means Olympiacos can still sell him. Mm-hmm. This is a real ball, a very, very rare transfer for a Greek uh, for a Greek team. And this is this is the kind of signing that cannot fail for Olympiacos. This is the kind of player that Corberan needs to make to make him work. Olympiacos cannot afford uh, to lose this kind of player. And Nad is going to be their toughest opponent uh, uh, this season so far. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, 
Greece and Europe are a completely different beast. Martial, how do you think Olympiacos should approach this game against uh, against Nantes? What kind of formation do you think uh, would suit Corberan best? I think he has to to stick uh, with the four two three one, uh, and I really like the answer he gave uh, about what he thinks what he think about Mvila being out uh, and what it means for the team. And he said like it's basically more something we the club has to overpass and take take this as a as a will to to show that the club can win uh, without Mvila rather than changing the whole plan. Uh, to uh, compensate his absence, um, so I think we have to be to to show since the beginning of the game that we have we want to win it. We want to win it. Sorry, because as I said before, even with the four two three one, and even with uh, Ba being out, and with even with without Envilla, the 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 starting lineup will be quality. You will have solution on the bench. You will probably have like Valbuena, El Arabi on the bench. You will probably have, I don't know, Masuras maybe or another winger on the bench. So there is no way that we 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 start this game with a with a with the draw on his, on the mind on his on on our mind. Sorry, because yeah. It it is something that has to change also because with Martins I, I had the impression that at the end he was playing not to lose in Europe and even in Greece and that's why that's the best way to lose the game actually because it kills basically every creativity that you can find in the players every will to to attack so I hope the team will start with the the wish to to win. Um, question for both of you. I mean, I agree here with Maritzolaki. We've been talking about a uh, six coming at the uh, joining Olympiakos as a sign. Olympiakos signing a number six, uh, someone to help uh, Jan and Vila take a few, take a breather or, you know, cover for him when he's out like uh, this coming Thursday. It never arrived. Where will this game be determined? Where will this game where will this game really be called? What is the area of the pitch where that will determine how this game goes? Could it be the midfield now with Jan and Villa out of the picture? Yes, 100%. The engine, the, the bright spot of this team so far under Corberan since he's arrived has been the midfield. The final third, we, we hadn't been able to finish a lot of chances until this last game against the Onikos where Pep Piel really dazzled us with his debut. But that's where a lot of the problems have been. The midfield's been able to move the ball, progress the ball forward, but then the final third's been lacking. And besides the midfield, the spot that's going to be something that we need to watch out for are the flanks. Because for those of you that didn't see the graphics we put up, not the majority of their attacks come from the flanks. From the flanks. Over 200... <laughs> lovely, lovely French. <laughs> Over two. <laughs> I'm sure Martial appreciates it. Martial Over wants to be gone now. Wants to be muted. There you go. <laughs> Over 200 attacks, okay? Over 200 attacks from Nantes. Over 150 of them came from the flanks. Nothing up through the middle. It's Most of their attacks come from the flanks. So. That's uh, that's where you can expect a lot of threat to come from them. Now, that's where the volume will come from, but they're most efficient actually attacking up through the middle. Not a lot of times they go through the middle, but when they do, that's when we actually see their largest goal threat chances uh, so far in, in the season. 
What do you make of that, Martial? I totally agree, but also this kind of games uh, depends a lot about the, the striker quality. I mean, the, 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 I saw, for example, the Marseille game against Tottenham uh, uh, earlier in the day, and Marseille did a wonderful first half, but if you do not score when you have uh, opportunities, you will regret it, and I think that's uh, an area that we could uh, benefit from because if El Arabi starts, for example, we all know we all know he has a, he has a terrible summer. But it could be the kind of game like when where he scores uh, a goal inside the box, like uh, after a, a goal, after the goal, the goalkeeper has stopped the ball. You know what I mean? Like shitty mm-hmm. goal, but a goal that will make a difference and. That, that's the kind of players that could make a difference tomorrow. Him or Valbuena with a cross or stuff like that. And I'm expecting a lot about those small details in Europe because I truly think that it what makes the difference. Like we all remember, for example, Meria mistake in Tottenham and stuff like that. The, the, ball, boy, the ball boy giving the ball, the ball fast to Tottenham players. This yeah. is the kind of details that tomorrow can turn into... Uh, for Olympiacos, because we do have this experience in Europe. So let's use this. I mean, one thing that really worries me about Corberan so far is that he hasn't managed to play the, his preferred formations and systems uh, like he did at Huddersfield, the 3-4-3, the 4-3-3s. It, it seems like he's still trying to find his groove. And it kind of reminds me of Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea. I mean, let's touch on that news. He got sacked uh, today by Chelsea. He never really managed to play the formations he preferred at Dortmund, like the 4-3-3 at Dortmund. Never got the 4-2-4 from Paris Saint-Germain. He just continued carrying on the 3-4-3 that Antonio Conte implemented uh, at Chelsea. He never really got to, 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 to include, to, to impose his own uh, philosophy, his own mentality, his own uh, tactics. So I, am, I don't know, does it feel like Corberan is struggling to, is just, you know, trying to do a Pedro Martins but better, slowly maybe impose his own mentality, is he going to get his own? Uh, is, is, are we going to see his philosophy soon? What do we expect there, guys? I really don't know what to answer, but I think that we could see Corberan Hides with a reduced uh, squad, and probably it will happen after the, the end of the Turkish market that we take many of our, our players. So, yeah, let's see what he can do. Uh, after that, after after few departures in the squad, what do you reckon, Adi? Um, I mean, now that all the pieces are here, Gorbaran has got the pieces he wanted. He wanted he wanted uh, Bowler. He wanted uh, Pepiel. These are his choices. These are the players that he wanted. Um, I'm not sure if Marcelo was somebody that he also picked. That he said, "Hey, get him. Do what you have to." But he got some. He got the pieces that he requested. Now we just kind of have to see, wait and see what happens and hope that the, the plan, hope we, the process works. Trust the process now. That's all I can say. Uh, you know, this is really the first major test with all the pieces assembled. You know, forget Apollonov where we were just trying to survive. Forget Slovan where we were just surviving. This isn't just surviving anymore. Now we, the process has to take shape. This is the first major test. Forget Asteras, forget Ionikos, forget Yanina. That's Greece. This is the first test. 
So let's see how the process has gotten and let's see where we really stand because this is the, really the, the true barometer of what, the, what is being worked on and where our capabilities are. If we go in tomorrow and this is a disaster class, we, we know that we're in some trouble. But if it's close and we see us doing well, we know that there's something there and that long term there's hope for more improvements down the road. And it's time for the dreaded part of the uh, the podcast: match predictions, scoreline predictions. Right? What's going to happen tomorrow? I'm going to start with our with our with our newest member, Martial. How do you see this going tomorrow? I would say uh, one nil for Olympiacos, or maybe two one for Olympiacos, because not confidence. Will... I love it. Yeah, because not we'll have uh, confidence. But the thing that will matters for me tomorrow is the ability uh, of uh, winning an European game. And this is something that is that it's not really easy to win an European game, even if you're better than the team, the opponent team. We saw that too many times with Olympiacos uh, under Martins, for example. And this is what will make the difference for me tomorrow. You can be average, you can be out of shape, but winning an European game, it's something that you have in the DNA or maybe you have, uh, you have in the their experience. And that's why I'm seeing Olympiacos winning tomorrow by one goal. What about you, Adi? Uh, so I see the game probably kind of going the same way we've seen things already go so far with our European mm-hmm. campaign and not just with Europe, with uh, other things. Um, the There's a reason not our favorites so far in this game. And I think Olympiacos will come out strong. I think we'll play well, probably even get a goal. But I also see us getting frustrated with some missed opportunities. I, I We're going to see that, and it's going to bite us because after we score the goal, we're going to get that PMSD. Players are going to sit back, whether because they're tired or because it's just routine. And we're going to soak pressure, soak pressure, soak pressure until eventually, probably in the second half, we cop another goal. So I'm going to say it's a draw. I'm thinking maybe 1-1, may, maybe 2-2. But it's going to be a draw. That's how I see it. I agree as well, man. I agree. I, I can see both teams scoring. Maybe a one-one draw. I don't. I'm not as confident as Martial. I think Olympiacos still have a lot of areas to work on. I do hope we see a goal from Juan Guizhou. You know, get that duck out of the way. Maybe you know more from Pepiel. Uh, see how he, how uh, how the team gets used to the way he plays and manage to uh, keep up with him. Hopefully, we're going to see Bowler as well coming in. I can see a draw coming in. And in that, and on that note, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, the, the channel keeps growing. And don't forget to do, to follow us on social media as well, uh, Gate7 International. Also follow Ari at, uh, on Twitter at, at Aristides06. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Uh, excellent. And obviously, our newest member, very glad to have him over. Huge honor to have a fellow colleague, uh, Marcial. Follow him at Arolibiakos FR. Did I get that right, Marcial? Yeah. And you, you, you will see me in Nantes tomorrow for the guy that made the, the trip to Nantes. Well, there you go. You want to you wanna talk to, the, to, an Olibia, to, 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 to a great Olibiakos fan? Marcial is going to be there. Marcial Debo. Don't forget to follow me at, at, Costa, at Llanos Costas. And also my work at The Sun covering a lot of Olibiakos and Nottingham Forest. Guys, don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, we thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for joining my first ever, uh, the first ever episode I host. And now I'm going to look to uh, click the outro without screwing things up. But if I do <laughs> screw up, I'm still going to be viral. 
So, guys, be nice. Be nice today. This was my first episode. Hopefully, there's going to be more. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. And, uh, guys, good luck, good luck to Olympiacos. Have a great night. Oh, 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 oh,